Welcome to the Herbs with Rosalie podcast, a show exploring how herbs heal as medicine, as food, and through nature connection. I'm your host, Rosalie de la Forêt. I'm an herbalist teacher and the best-selling author of the books Alchemy of Herbs and Wild Remedies. I created this podcast to share trusted herbal wisdom so that you can get the best results when relying on herbs for your health. I love offering up practical knowledge to help you dive deeper into the world of medicinal plants and seasonal living. My goal is that you'll walk away from each episode feeling inspired to start working with herbs in your everyday life. Each episode of the podcast is available on my Herbs with Rosalie YouTube channel, as well as your favorite podcast app. Transcripts and recipes for each episode can be found at herbswithrosaliepodcast.com. To get the latest news as well as fun bonuses, be sure to sign up for my weekly herbal newsletter. Okay, grab your cup of tea. Let's dive in. I'm so happy to bring you this conversation with my dear friend and soul sister, Kathy Skipper. For those of you who don't know Kathy, she's an herbalist, aromatherapist, teacher, and wounded healer. After living and working in the herbal world in France for 25 years, she came to live in Taos, New Mexico in 2015, where she lives and works with her husband, holistic psychiatrist, Dr. Florian Berkmeyer. Together, they run a private practice that combines aromas and Jungian analysis. They also have a school called Aromanosis, where they use a powerful combination of aromas, Jungian psychology, and personal journeying to help students deepen their relationship with themselves and learn to navigate and understand the power of the unconscious realms. Welcome to the podcast, Kathy. It's so good to have you here. Thank you, Rosalie. It's just an honor to be here with you. Ah, well, and I'm just personally so happy to have you here. And I'm, you know, I often start by asking my guests their story, and we're going to get to that. But first, I want to share our story, your and my story, uh, because we do have a very deeply rooted friendship. And I think it came about, it was like certainly a plant friendship, like we came together because of the plants. So I'll start to tell the story, maybe, we, you know, we can both tell it together. Sure. So the story for me began, I can't remember what year it was, maybe. I think maybe you're right. It was 2012. 2012. Okay. Yeah. So 2012 or something like that. Yeah. I flew to Boston to go to the International Herb Symposium. I got off my flight and I walked to the space I was supposed to go to get my shuttle to drive us to the com- conference. And you were sitting there and we'd never met. We didn't know each other whatsoever. And you're sitting there and I feel like you just looked up and we just started a conversation that we had set down some time ago and we were just instantly connected. And it just, I felt like I'd known you my whole life and we started talking. I don't even remember what we talked about. Probably benign things at first, but I don't know. It was just mid, it really felt like mid conversation. Yes, it definitely did. I mean, maybe we did know each other on some ancient level because that's exactly how it felt for me. And um, then, you know, getting to the conference and spending a lot of time together. And that year, Rosemary Gladstar decided to say that we should turn around when we're in circle and find someone that we connected deeply with and, and build that relationship, that plant friendship. 
which we did. And I remember turning around. We we didn't doubt that it was going to be. Yeah, we just looked at you each and other. I. Like, yeah, oh. I want to feel and, like we grasp hands too. It was just kind of like, oh, yeah, all right, we already found each other. Yeah, and you know, I think that's so important in life because as I get older, I'm 55 now, and I'm a grandmother, and I've moved around a lot, but those deep connections are really, really precious. And they, we don't have that many in life. If you really mm -hmm. tune in, they're, they're a rare and precious thing. Mm -hmm. And I also think, and I, you know, I've told you this before, but our connection is very deep and deeper than, than both of us. And I think we really mirror something to each other. You know, for me, you are the grounded herbalist who is really well you know, versed and organized and this beautiful teacher and so earthy and so connected and able to sort of share that with the world. And I come from a different place. You know, I'm more Aryan and um, I go into the sort of shadow areas and that you're, you being there is a very safe anchor for me. And I'm often, I often say to people, well, that maybe ask Rosalie, um, you know, she's really good at that. Uh, and I think, you know, that adds to this dynamic of our friendship. You know, some people say, oh, you have to, you know, it's best to be friends with people who are really very alike. And, but I think this, this mirroring is, is part of our beautiful friendship. Oh, it so is. I feel like, you know, you get me out of my head when I tend to be overly linear, overly logical. Um, even by asking, you know, you'll ask me simple things. Well, but how did you feel about that? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> but also even in your teachings, because you um, learned a lot of French style aromatherapy. Yeah. And so you were the first person I learned essential oils from that I really got into it. And I remember that first IHS going to your a, you know, aromatherapy class and it just opened it, the French style and your, obviously, you know, your unique gifts within that too are so different than anything that I'd been exposed to that it really just captivated me from the, the very beginning. Well, likewise, I just went through all my, um, we're moving so, and I'm actually downsizing. I want to be very, very simple in my life. So I've really got, I've got rid of 90% of our books, Florian and I. Um, and uh, your book is the only book that stayed in my kitchen next to my, um, you know, my little bookshelf in the kitchen because, you know, I honor what you share with me and that beautiful earthy um, sustenance. It's very, mm -hmm. it's, it's full of sustenance. Oh, well, I'm so honored to hear that. And yeah, and fun to share who we are together because you are, you know, we call each other our soul sisters. We had that yeah. deep connection from the beginning and over the, and that's, you know, that was like a decade or so ago now. And yeah. you've come to visit me a lot and visited you in France. And so we've been building that relationship just like Rosemary suggested we do. Yeah. And there's also the French connection because you're married to a Frenchman. Yeah. yeah you French know, we have connection. that connection too. It's mm -hmm. beautiful. Yeah. And so now that we've told the story of our friendship, Kathy, let's hear about you. How did you find yourself on this plant path? Well, I've been thinking about this and I think I have to honor the fact that I come from a family of plants people. So my grandfather, who I actually didn't get on with, although I knew him until I, he died when I was about 13, was a doctor and a naturalist and well known for his you know, love of nature in the in the medical world and then my father his son was a professional brewer but he spent a, most of his life also gardening and he 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 was until last year the chairman of a very amazing and beautiful victorian garden in the uk that was sort of 
you know, the public would come and visit it. So I grew up very much involved with plants without really consciously thinking about it. And then when I left, I trained as a drama teacher and drama therapist in London. And when I left, finished my studies, I wanted to go back to nature. So, you know, I had this pull to to all the things that were nature related, basket weaving and felt making. And I moved to France. Um, I met a guy who became the father of my three sons, my first three sons, moved to France and we started trying to be self-sufficient. And I stayed in France for 25 years and ended up running a wine domain with a small medicinal plant section to it. And then I made a, a really beautiful garden and it was an aromatic garden. So when people came to taste the wine, I would beforehand get their sort of sense of smell and and taste going by getting them to smell the different plants in the garden. I loved it. I loved watching these guys that would look like, you know, big guys with tattoos. And then you'd give them a plant to smell and the, the sort of it touches the part of your limbic brain that's, you know, that's next to the emotional center and very primal. And, you know, you'd see these people sort of melt into the smell. And, and I really enjoyed that. And so, you know, gardening became a big thing for me. and. I had seven children that I was bringing up. Three of them were mine, and then I had a fourth, and the other three were my husband's children that he'd had prior to our, our meeting. And I was very tired, had a lot to do, running a wine domain. And a friend of mine said, um, I've got two Mexican people. They're shamans from Mexico. I've organized this group. Please come. I need people to come. I was like, oh, I'll go, you know, I'll support her. And I got there late because of the kids and the little one was only a toddler and kind of got in, fell into this meeting. And it was a very, very powerful weekend session. And these two, there were a couple. At the end, they said to me, you plants, plants and plants, you've got to study plants. And I'd wanted to go to the herbal school in Lyon, the Ecole de Plantes Medicinelles. And I'd always looked at the brochure. I didn't, I was worried about my French and it was expensive. I didn't have, you know, we were poor farmers. And so I'd put it off, put it off. I think I'd got the brochure three or four times. And anyway, I, because of these people, I said, okay, it, it'll, I've got to go and it'll work out. The finances work out. And I applied. And as I I remember the first day I walked up the steps in Lyon to that school and I knew I'd come home. Mm -hmm. And I ended up working at the school and, you know, I stayed working with the school until I left France um, five, five or six years ago. So, you know, and my kids, are my two oldest sons work in plants. One's a landscaper and one is um, a botanist now for a huge herbal supplement company in the in the U.S., called Vitality Works. So, you know, they, they've kind of followed me into the plant world as well. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking about our timeline. I think we must have met earlier than 2014 because I came to visit you in France. Oh, in yes, you're right. Yeah, and I came to visit you at the school in Lyon and we, I stayed with you yes. and traveled a bit. And, you know, something I remember so much from that trip, but one thing I remember is that we were in wine country. And so there's these vineyards everywhere. And I remember, you know, me, I'm just like, oh, how romantic. Yeah. Vineyards everywhere. And you were like, what I see is monoculture. Yeah. And, you know, this, you know, vineyards taking over all this natural habitat. And I was like, oh, right. And then the other thing that you pointed out to me is you said, look at the difference between these vineyards that are organic or biodynamic versus the Convention, yeah, conventional, conventional. Yeah. and it was and you know I just hadn't like opened my eyes to see that and we'd like we'd go past one vineyard that was like the the soil the dirt was just dead yeah. like there's just 
you know, not a thing growing there. No. And how did that happen? Lots of chemicals yeah. is how that happened. And then we'd go past one that was organic or biodynamic and it was just covered in weeds and ground cover. And that really shifted me a lot in how I thought about the wine I drink. And yeah. Um, so that's kind of tangential, but that was something that really stood out for me in that meeting with yeah, you. Yeah, and I think it's important if you think of a, you know, just to finish that conversation very quickly, if you think of a vine, the roots, you know, can go 15 to 20 feet down. And terroir, the taste of wine is sort of the roots breaking up the soil and the rocks and taking in the minerals to give that you know, certain flavors from the earth, mm -hmm. from the terroir. And they took photos of um, some of the people that I was working with, actually, the Chonde agriculture in France of vineyards that are just treated with chemicals and fed chemically as well. So the vines don't go down anymore. They actually, the roots, sorry, don't go down anymore. The roots curl back up because they're getting their nourishment from these chemicals from the ground. So, so you know, oh. it, it's a terrible, it's a terrible thing, both for, for wow. the environment and for the plant. Mm hmm. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about yerba mansa, which I'm really excited to talk about this plant. And I'm really excited to hear what you have to say. And we could just start off with why you chose yerba mansa for your plant today. Okay. Well, you know, I thought about it when you asked me to choose a plant. And I think, well, both the plants that I love begin with why. And then I thought yarrow, somebody will have talked about yarrow. And, you know, Yerbamansa is very much on my radar, even more than it usually is at the moment, because I'm incorporating it into the book that I'm writing. And so I'm, and it's, you know, it's a plant that grows here. It's endemic to here. So I thought I'm going to talk about Yerbamansa. And actually, just as we talk, I'm smelling the oil. And it's a plant that's very dear to me because when I arrived in New Mexico, I came from Europe. So the first reaction was, this isn't my fauna or flora. You know, this is all alien. It's the desert. There are plants, you know, obviously there's the odd plant like sort of mullen grows occasionally, yarrow, but only in very much smaller numbers. And the, the main flora was really not mine. And I felt very like I had to tread lightly. I, should, I couldn't just, you know, I, was, I wasn't at home with the flora. And um, when I moved here, actually, the day after moving here, I had a... Um, diagnosis for cancer, cervical cancer. And a friend of mine, a herbalist in the UK, said, well, Kathy, go and harvest some yerba mansa. It's, you're, where, you're where she's from. She actually, the yerba mansa grows in Mexico and all the way along up into New Mexico, along the Rio Grande. So I asked my husband if he knew this. Oh, yes, I know. I know exactly where we can go. And we went, it was just the right time for root medicine because it was in February. The leaves hadn't started coming back on the trees. The, the sap wasn't mounting. So we went, wasn't rising. So we went down to the river and there she was. And, you know, it was winter, so there weren't any flowers, but she, there was still her brown leaves. And she's a ground cover. She covers the whole ground. And when you walk on the ground, you can smell her. And what was really nice was, you know, I was dealing with this cancer diagnosis and really sort of trying to work through how I was going to deal with it physically and the emotions that were coming up. And it was just so nice to dig into the earth, the moist, because as well, you know, we're in the desert, so it's very sandy, very dry. There's lots of cactuses, but there, right next to the river in this riparian land, as I dug in, there was this moist, aromatic, because the roots are so lovely and aromatic, it, it sort of oozes out into the earth. And so 
it felt so good. And as I was digging up these roots, I suddenly felt like, you know, I can feel at home here. And slowly, you know, it was the first plant medicine that I really connected to here. And there's a whole story that we can talk a little bit about probably, but that's why I chose her because she she was the one that came and put a hand out and said, Kathy, you need me and I know a lot and I can help you. So I, I owe her a lot. Hmm. Oh, it's a lovely introduction to Yerba Mansa. And where would you like to go from here? Well, I think, first of all, let's just talk a little bit about her as a plant. So she's a very archaic plant. She is a dicotyledon, but she's she's just after the monocots. So in the evolution of plant medicine or of plants, sorry, um, she's ancient, you know, whereas orchids, asteraceae, the daisy family are very well evolved in the botanical journey of plants. So they're modern basically. She's much more ancient. And I like that about her. She's seen, she's had many generations behind her of, of wisdom. And as I said, she's endemic to Mexico and New Mexico, the south, the southwest and along the river, and was used by many, many of the ancient peoples and the tribes that lived along these lands, right from all the way up from Mexico upwards. And so her, if you study her medicine, Everybody has a different thing to say about her. She's a panacea. She's a medicine that really touches everything from, you know, tooth decay to stomach to respiratory problems to venereal diseases to a lot of the tribes used her for respiratory problems, sinus problems. So she really is multifaceted. And I believe, you know, that's because she is so deeply magical that she can help her you know she meets us where we're at she she mm. meets us where we need her and i think what i would like to say about her is that and this goes back to our my relationship with you and the you know the medicine that i do and that i've my journey's brought me on is really about the emotional and mental underpinning of ourselves and the journey of healing for me, really needs to take these things into consideration. So although, you know, I honor the fact that we do need to, to heal the physical body, what I do believe is the physical body isn't doing us harm by being ill. It's trying to tell us something. It's looking for a solution. It does, it, you know, often the solution seems quite drastic. You know, it could be cancer, which was my case, but it's still looking to, to, to con communicate something and for a solution. So, when I started working with this plant, what I did was I, most people decoct her. It's the roots that's medicinal. So a lot of people, most people decoct her and make a, a decoction, a, a sort of well-decocted herbal tea or a tincture. And I have done that with her and I have used her in those forms. But because I use aroma for accessing the psyche, these, these deep emotional parts of ourselves, I thought, well, it's so aromatic. Let's distill her. So, you know, I was with my stepdaughter, she'd come to visit my dog, Florian, and we had this beautiful harvesting and we brought her home to distill. And that's where it all started to happen because we live in an earthship, so there are no walls. There are walls, but they don't go up to the ceiling. So the whole earthship's kind of open. And we were distilling and the whole earthship was filling with this beautiful, earthy aroma. And it went into the evening and... Florian, I remember my husband went up to bed and I started to feel 
really sort of something deep going on as if there was some kind of psychological change, like something was happening. And I thought it was a little bit strange, but I went with it. It felt sort of nearly psychedelic. And I went with it and I started journaling and the plant really took me into this part of myself that was hating myself in a way, a lack of self-worth to do with the feminine, to do with what was passed down from my mum, my grandmother, my great-grandmother and their story. And so I started writing about this. And as I was writing it, I, I felt guided by the plant and there was a transformation. So she was really showing me that, yes, I feel this lack of self-worth, but it's my responsibility. And in my healing journey, I need to find self-love. And I spent a long time sort of journaling and smelling this plant and working with her and feeling into this. And then a little bit later, I went upstairs and Florian said, I've just had this really weird dream, like a psychedelic dream. And, you know, Florian's a psychiatrist and a doctor and he's scientifically trained. And we thought it was odd. Anyway, the next morning we thought, well, we started to geek out. What is in this plant? You know, what are the aromatic molecules? And eventually, after a lot of sort of geeking out and searching, we found that there are different chemotypes, which means that depending where the plant grows along the, the, the stretch of land along the river that is her home, because of the difference in probably in the land and in the soil, she develops slightly different molecules and they call these chemotypes. And obviously the chemotype that we've harvested, we realized was the chemotype with elamycine, which is a molecule. And elamycine is a molecule that is really a precursor to mescaline and is used, um, yeah. So there was our, there was our, you know, we'd found the answer. We had actually extracted a slightly mind-altering aspect to this plant, which for me made sense because she's so magical mm -hmm. that it makes sense that she's one of these plant spirit medicine plants as well as everything else that she does. So I really felt this, this strong healing from her. And I did drink, oh yes, and just to finish, so then in also in our geeking out, we came across some studies that had been done in the 70s on the essential oil. And there's very little done on, on the essential oil. And good thing too, because her habitat's getting reduced and you need a lot of plant material to make an essential oil. So it's a good thing that she's not being harvested because she needs to be protected. But in the 70s anyway, they did these studies. And lo and behold, what they found was that she was very good for cancer of the cervix and the uterus, which is what I had. Mm -hmm. So I felt like just guided to this. Mm -hmm. I did do some with the hydrosol, which is the same hydrosol I sent you. Know, I did some vaginal douches. Um, to help me. I drank the tea and I smelt the oil and I sprayed the hydrosol. I have ever since used her deeply with my clients as well and in my teachings. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's such an amazing experience of just moving from Europe to New Mexico. Yeah. What a shift. And then getting that diagnosis a day after you've made this huge transition. Yeah. And then immediately being, you know, diving into the deep realms of the plants of where your new home is. Yeah, that was the gift. And, and I have to say that I have gone very slowly with, you know, in Europe, you know, I was teaching botany at the herbal school. So I knew all the plants, you know, that was my job. And if I didn't, I found out very quickly. My son's a botanist. But I have to say the relationship with the plants as I've changed, I think, you know, 
I had a rebirth moving here. I left a lot behind. My dad threw all my my belongings away when my mum died. So I sort of came here very bare. And then mm. I go very slowly with the plants. I go, I think I go deeper, but I go slower. You know, mm. I I don't know all the plants here. There's still, you know, so much to discover. So as a lot of people know in the podcast, I often have recipes that guest shares and I'm actually very excited to bring a different sort of offering to you today from Kathy. Instead of a recipe, she's created an audio journey for you with Yerba Mansa. So Kathy, if you could tell us about that and just kind of set that up for us. Yes, thank you, Rosalie. I think it is important that I set it up. So to finish the story with the Yerba Mansa, what I realized when I sort of delved deeply into the plant and into the, you know, I loved the Bosque and the Rio Grande because, you know, there's water. So I spent a lot of time down there and I read a lot about it. And I came across the story. It's a, it's a very famous myth of this area of La Llorona. And she's sometimes called the weeping lady or the wailing lady. And she is known for wearing a white. She's Mexican. She has apparently been spotted, you know, along the river in Santa Fe and in New Mexico too. But she wears, in the mythology, she wears a white dress. And the flowers of the Yerba Mansa are white and they look like a little dress. They're actually not botanically flowers. They're bracts, but that doesn't matter. It looks like a flower. And, and they've got this long receptacle. So it does look like a little lady dancing. And so I'm, I thought, wow, the, the wailing woman in white is supposed to haunt the river and here you know is this plant that runs all the way along the river it, there's a connection and so i looked at the mythology and yes of course the spanish distorted it into a woman that had killed her children and was wailing once she died because she regretted what she did that's you know that's the spanish story because they were the colonizers but actually it's a deep deep ancient aztec story about how they saw the colonization coming and the loss of the people and the loss of the land and the loss of the women through um, being having children with Spanish uh, colonizers and then be, the children being told they were Spanish and denying where their roots were and where they came from and their beautiful sort of culture. So there was this loss, this grief for this deep tribal culture from from uh, many, many generations ago, which actually I won't go into it now because we don't have time, but that is the story of my own mother line, but it was in India, and that I believed was part of what I was healing with the cancer. So then I realized, yes, she, and this is what, how I work with her with my students, is that when we need to go deep and contact these parts of ourselves that we forget to honor because we're in a society that, you know, has a certain way of being and it's very intellectual, very left brain. We're all on our screens and it's quite patriarchal even, even today. There's this deep, dark, feminine aspect of life and of ourselves, both men and women can connect with this, that this plant and La Llorona really represent, you know, the juicy roots in this lovely dark soil. Mm. So I call her the dark goddess and, you know, the Black Madonna in Europe is uh, one of the archetypes of the Black uh, the dark goddess Kali in India, Lilith, Hecat, 
there's all over the world there are archetypes of the dark goddess so my gift to you uh, listeners is a journey if you're interested where I lead you with the help of Yerba Mansu you can make a tea or make a smell the hydrosol or just take a couple of drops of the tincture and I lead you into this deep part of yourself deep in the earth because I believe this part is we need to bring her out and she we need to protect her as she emerges through us as part of the healing that the world needs now so I hope you enjoy it, those of you that decide to do that journey. That's a beautiful introduction, Kathy. To help you get to know Yerba Mansa more deeply, Kathy is sharing a Yerba Mansa guided meditation, which helps you to connect to the sacred feminine. You can listen to this meditation by visiting herbswithrosaliepodcast.com. There you'll also find show notes, including direct links to Kathy's offerings and a transcript of this interview. So when I, obviously, when I think of you, I think of many things, but your, your essence for me is just so intertwined with aromatics. And I want to talk about your lovely offering of aromatics with Kathy's Atars. Well, that came about, I mean, it all joins up. Part of my journey of healing was that I went to India. I'd been to India for a year, actually, when my, my children who are now in their thirties were young. But I'd found out a lot more about my story. My mum was born in India and I wanted to really heal this, this story. So I went to India and by chance I'd connected with an Indian distiller on internet before I went. And I realized, oh, we're very near. And so I contacted him and we made friends. We had a beautiful time at this ancient distillery. And because I was healing this part of my mother line that came from India, I didn't want to leave and I didn't want to leave these beautiful, like the rose attar and the jasmine. I, I felt like I need to connect. So Florian and I on the spur, we said, let's just do a small, a small offering. Let's make a small offering that keeps this connection going and allows us to work with these beautiful aromas. And so that's how Kathy Zatar started. We do some distilling of our own stuff from now that we've added to it from New Mexico. And I have one other distiller who's an ex-student of mine in France. And it's just a very small, very carefully chosen selection of aromatics to work with the energy of the plant because like in fact we've come full circle it's great because you were talking about the vines in France and how you know this monoculture where they don't care about the plants and it's all chemical and it's all about production well the same happens Mm -hmm. in the production of essential oils I don't we have a manifesto on our website where Florian and I never use oils to make product we don't use oils to make product we don't use oils in any other way but to smell them because then a bottle of oil will last you a lifetime it's not about pouring it into the bath or um and also if a, if a aromatic is going to help you connect with these deep parts of the psyche it needs to be alive so the the distiller need and the harvester all need to honor that in the process that each of those that people are going through and um so we have a very small selection because we only choose the ones that we really feel are vibrant and alive to do this work with and for my birthday, you had sent me some of your latest offerings and you had sent me the Yerba Mansa. So it was yeah. nice to have that yeah. today. Yes. And yeah. And that's not one you really see a lot. It's so. very rare. And we only distill a little bit because of, you know, as I said, the sustainability issues. But it's great. I think it's great for you, Rosalie, because I think that deep, dark part of yourself is very beautiful. And, you know, I know your story and I think that 
connecting with that is like connecting to the whole mother line as well. Mm -hmm. It's very feminine. And so I think mm -hmm. it's a beautiful ally for most, most women. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing about your Vansa and your aromatics. You also do a lot of work with the alchemy of menopause. Would you like to share some about that? Yeah, it's a big part of my work because I, when I met Florian, my husband, he's a Jungian analyst. So he taught me about the alchemical stages. And I thought, wow, this is great. It's a framework. You know, I love the energetic healing and the healing of the deep emotions, as I keep saying. But I also, I am quite intellectual. So I do need a framework. I need a structure. I don't like it to be woo-woo and not, you know, if I'm going to talk about alchemy, I want to know what, you know, lots of people talk about alchemy, but what is alchemy? I like to know what the real sense of it is. And so learning about the alchemical stages, which is what the alchemists actually tried to, they tried to turn lead into gold. But what Jung realized was these alchemical stages were actually more of a process that the psyche is continuously going through. Like, for example, the di digestive system is always digesting you know, from the moment we put food in our mouth and then once it's disappeared, it's still digesting it from the enzymes in our saliva right down to the waste product. Well, the psyche is always bringing stuff up from the unconscious continuously. And I understood that with these alchemical stages, this is how the psyche does it. And then I realized, wow, the most alchemical being is the woman. She is the alchemical vessel. All those hormonal changes are really alchemy. And these uh, stages fit beautifully in the journey of becoming a, a wise elder or a crone. So I, I married these stages to the different important themes that a woman needs to sort of initiate herself to, to become a wise elder. I call, I call the journey of menopause a sort of, you know, I know a lot of people don't like this word, but I call it a shamanic initiation. Women become initiated. If we want to become a wise elder, we have to do the work. We don't just, doesn't happen magically. And so the work mm -hmm. that I do is sort of leading women through that and it's great to see them becoming empowered. Mm -hmm. And so we share a little bit about that. It's a course, a book. Yeah, I've written a book called, it's a workbook. So it's a book that women can use to actually work through these themes um, called The Alchemy of Menopause. And that's available um, on my website and on Amazon. But I am actually writing a more in-depth book. I'm writing two books at the moment. Uh, one of them is called Decolonizing the Mother Line, which is really a memoir, but also incorporates the way I managed to get to a sense of belonging in myself and healed myself. And the other one is a sort of chunkier version of the alchemy of menopause. Yeah. And I also teach, sorry, yes, I also teach the alchemy of menopause live online. And we're starting to go out into the world now that COVID is slowing down a little. Yeah. Before COVID, you made a lot of big trips. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 Well, our, my last question for you, Kathy, is one I'm asking everybody in season two. And that question is, what has surprised you along your herbal path? Well, I did think about this question and it came very easily. So I think what surprised me is this. So I went into the plant world and I went in, you know, 100%. And I realized that I was desperate to communicate with the plants on this deep level and desperate to sort of know the plants on another level, not just intellectually, even though I did do all that work and I did do all that study. I wanted to know them on a, on a different level. But what surprised me is what they taught me. Mm -hmm. So by really spending all this time in nature and connecting to the plants, what I've realized is what, what they taught me was that I needed to know my own signature. 
not just to understand the plants and their signature and their that you know what they what they know but i needed to know who i was and my sense of belonging and i think they really taught me about lineage the importance of ancestral work plants you know botanically they're all part of a lineage and i didn't it surprised me because i didn't see it coming i didn't realize mm. and they sort of they have, yeah, they have been my best teachers and not just about what I know so I can then use them to heal, but they've been my best teachers about what I needed to do to heal myself. Hmm. Yeah, it's a, a beautiful sharing and a, a surprising thing that's really shaped your whole life since yeah. finding the plants. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I think without the plants, I wouldn't be here. Hmm. Well, I'm so glad you are. It's so good to be with you again in this space, my soul sister. And thank you so much for being here. Lots and lots of love. Thank you. For the listeners, don't forget to head over to herbswithrosaliepodcast.com to get free access to Kathy's Yerba Mansa meditation. Also available are the complete show notes, including the transcript. You can also visit Kathy directly at aromanosis.com. I deeply believe that this world needs more herbalists and plant-centered folks. I'm so glad you're here as part of this herbal community. Have a beautiful day. Hey, thanks again for spending your valuable time with me today. I hope you found today's episode helpful. And if you're a new listener, thanks for checking out the show. And don't forget that you can find all the recipes, links, and show notes over at herbswithrosaliepodcast.com. While you're there, you can subscribe and get updates when new episodes release and even submit your requests for future podcast episodes. The world needs more people who are connected to the earth and the healing gifts of plants. I'm so glad that you're here for this adventure. Thanks for listening. Thank you to Rising Appalachia for the use of their beautiful song, Resilience. Listen to more from Rising Appalachia at risingappalachia.com.